And here we go. So welcome to my podcast for you that are listening and following me. It's edfranklin.nolimits uh, at gmail.com if you want to email me or like I said, you can find me on Apple, Spotify. I send out a link on my Facebook page too. And I have a kind of a different guest today. So yesterday was kind of a business uh, thing that I haven't posted yet. And, and we've talked about business and personal life and things like that. But I met Deborah a couple of years ago, her and her husband at a rodeo thing. And I'm going to let her explain to you what that was about. But um, we become good friends and, and we're the kind of friends that don't see each other every five minutes. But I think, you know, we connect on a lot of different levels. So um, hopefully I don't get choked up today. That's not a goal, <laughs> but, you know, when I'm with my friend Deborah. You never know what's going to happen. So hi, Deborah. Good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good, good. So you got your COVID shot yesterday? Is that your second one? Or today? Uh, I got my second vaccine this morning. So I'm oh, really good. excited. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a little personal for us. Sure. Um, and I'm, we'll get into that a little later. But um, I'm excited and I hope that um, people follow the science and, um, you know, show some kindness and compassion for one another and get their vaccines. Yeah, so my wife works for a charter school. She had her first shot. I think Sunday. So I'm not old enough yet and I'm not an essential worker. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we have my grandson. So my granddaughter had to take a COVID test because she had a sore throat like two weeks ago at school and they wouldn't uh -huh. let her return until she got a test or did the 10 days. And everything. She's only seven. So, but um, she was, was negative. I mean, Good. back in the day, I wouldn't even take my kids for a sore throat, right? To the doctor. In right. fact, I'd probably give them some ibuprofen and send them to school. Right. I understand the school is trying to be cautious. So, so you're the co-founder of samsposse.org and how we met was through the rodeo, Poway Rodeo, which I right. missed last year. I, I was sad that that didn't happen. Right. And, um, and we had that intellectually disabled rodeo or whatever you want to call it. If I say something that's not totally politically correct, I apologize. I just, not, I don't live in that world all the time. So, um, but anyway, tell us about that. Tell us about Sam's Posse. Well, um, Sam's Posse was founded in memory of our son, Sam, who passed away eight years ago now. It was just mm -hmm. last week. Um, he was born eight weeks premature in 1993 with a rare genetic condition. Uh, we didn't know anything about his condition until I went into labor um, 10 weeks early. And we knew something was not right, but they didn't know what, um, you yeah. know, at, in 93, um, they didn't have the 3d ultrasounds, all that sort of fancy stuff they have now, um, which, you know, that's good and bad in some cases. Right. Um, they were monitoring me pretty closely because I did have to have a scheduled cesarean. So, um, so there was that, um, when he was born, it was obvious that there was something different about him physically. Mm -hmm. uh, they did genetic testing. And it was determined that my husband carries a balanced translocation of his fifth and 13th chromosomes. Now, you know, it's until it affects your life, you really don't think about the chromosomes sure. that make up and all that sort of thing. So because his translocation is balanced, he doesn't have any of the physical characteristics or intellectual um, deficits that Sam did. Sam had an unbalanced translocation, which meant that part of his fifth chromosome broke off and floated to his 13th. So he had two and a half 13s and one and a half fives. Um, 
one of five cases worldwide that were documented. And yeah, I read that this morning. I went to your website and read that about mm -hmm. it. That's incredible. I mean, that's just weird. I mean, one in five cases, that's crazy. Right. And, and because of where the genes, the chromosomes broke, all five cases were different. Um, all, all children were, had slightly different issues. The one common denominator was craniosynostosis. Um, when babies are born, they have the soft spots in their skulls. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam's closed prematurely. So he had no um, openings in his skull for his brain to expand. Oh, wow. So one of the first things they had to do was a, um, a release of his skull. They basically took a big chunk out right up about here um, so that his brain could expand. Um, and he also had hydrocephalus, which eventually would lead to a VP shunt. Um, gastrointestinal blockages, double hernia, um, um, malformed feet. Uh, they were all midline anomalies. So um, that was uh, an interesting observation our right. geneticists made. Uh, Marilyn Jones, she and her husband are here in San Diego. They're top in their field worldwide. And so we were really lucky that she was one of the first people we met. And um, she guided us through the journey, um, among other nurses and docs and therapists. Sure. But um, so, so that, um, that's what started our journey. Um, was, you know, when Sam um, was born with this disability, it changed, you know, changed our lives. As you know, when you have a kid, it changes your life. But when you have a kid with multiple disabilities, it changes in a way that you never imagined. Um, so I'm not sure. Did I link you up with my, so I had, we lost a grandchild a year ago, January. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know all the details of it because I wouldn't pry to my daughter anyway. She wanted to sure. tell me, she'll tell me. And she probably sure. told me, and I don't even remember. I mean, um, not that I don't mean that in a cold way. I just did I connect I you with her because she started a business called Angel Mom. I'm gonna send, I'm gonna get you guys connected, and it's for mothers, fathers who lose children early on or whatever. And uh, it's really a she's just you know out of eight kids, she's like my angel. She's the nicest kid we have, right? The rest from her bunch of brat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes they are, <laughs> but we have, uh, we're actually on baby watch right now. We have another, uh, our, our 12th grandchild coming probably next week or this weekend. And another child is coming, which I won't give you any details because it's private for them. That could have some issues. So, I mean, this does go down. I mean, I always say that there's a one in four trillion chance you'll even be born, even be born. And then, you know, things like this can get in your way, but your organization, one of the parts of my uh, my podcast is getting over limitations, right? Mm -hmm. And you've had to do this, right? You've had these limitations and things. And, and your inclusion piece of your charity mm -hmm. is just huge for me because we do this for, for kids that don't have any disabilities, right? We exclude right. them out of things. And, and it could be because of money. It could be because of race. It could be because of a lot of things. And uh, I, frankly, I get kind of tired of it. I'm tired of, you know, I'm sick of this Asian thing that just came out, you know, sick right. of my stomach that we're still doing this in 2021. Right. So how did you, when, when did you guys start this organization? In 2015 is when we um, established it as a nonprofit organization, but we go back into the, it's about 95, I think 96, maybe I got recruited um, at, 
Children's Hospital, which at the time was San Diego Children's Hospital. Now we all know it as Rady. Um, right. I got recruited to be the parent liaison for the Healing Environment Committee. Oh, and wow. what the Healing Environment is, is um, it, it's music in the hallways. It's looking outside your kid's door and literally seeing a penguin walking down the hallway. Right. Um, arts, um, you know, the, the activities in the playrooms and so forth. And one of the things that includes is gardens. And I have been or had been a floral designer for uh, most of my adult life. And this lady who recruited me knew that. So they were looking to build a healing garden. And um, if you've ever been to Rady, if you walk in the main entrance, and if you walk directly to, to the back of the building where the elevator shaft is, behind it is the healing garden. And there's a 40 foot dinosaur there known as the Samosaurus. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, so we got involved in that um, along with um, an amazing garden designer, Topher Delaney out of the Bay Area. Yeah. And um, it, it became a space where um, families could go, but it also became a space where um, he, the healers could go. Because, um, you know, if, if the healers don't have healing, the doctors, the nurses, the therapists, then they can't take care of us sure. and our kids. And so um, what we did uh, through our connections was we helped to raise money for it. We helped to advocate for it. Um, we ultimately, Buck introduced the committee, Buck, my husband, introduced the committee to um, Lee and Tony Leach Tag from the Leach Tag Family Foundation. Um, they're very prominent throughout San Diego. Um, sadly, they're both passed, but the foundation continues. And they ended up um, as the major donors for the project. So it is the Leach Tag Family Healing Garden. And um, I've learned since we, there came a point where I had to separate myself from Children's Hospital um, just because number one, I was spending too much time there. Sure. Um, I, I was getting too sucked into everyone else's life and problems and, mm -hmm. and needed to deal with our family. Um, but I've learned that um, there has been an adoption in the healing garden. There was a family who adopted a foster kid who was in the hospital and they held the adoption there. They have closed the garden down to privately um, let children pass in the garden. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I know, you, I know it's you hard, but, but anyway, so I'll, I'll um, get you off that subject for a second. Yeah. So I have a little experience with children's hospital. My youngest daughter came back from a camping trip God, I could do the math. I don't know, it's like 10, 10 years, 11 years ago. And she didn't look good, right? She looks like she had the flu or something, but she was, she said, I feel okay. We went to the Del Mar fair that day when it was called that and gave her sugar probably and all this stuff. So Monday morning I wake up and before I'm going to work, I've been, man, you don't, you don't look that good. I'm going to, I'm going to go to work. If you know, if you don't feel good or something, let me, um, I'll come home and take you to the doctor. But if you are still sick, I'll take you. So I go to, I'm about halfway to work. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get her, take her to the doctor. So I get there. I take her to urgent care and her, they said, uh, they called an ambulance. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Wow. So I found out she's a type one diabetic. So her tongue was really red because one of my, my oldest daughter was home and bought her a Slurpee because I said, make sure she's keeping fluids in her and stuff. Mm. Her blood level was 900. Supposed to be between like 70 and 150 or something like that, 80 and 150. So went down there to Children's Hospital and we're freaking out. I don't know anything about diabetes. I don't know anything about anything. 
Um, I ride with her in the ambulance and everything. We come, she was in the hospital for about four days, taught us about diabetes and all that. And uh, so I had some experience with them and they were great. I mean, they were awesome. Um, but I can tell you that walking around, you know, you knew some of these kids were way worse off than my daughter. My daughter was going home. I knew she was going home. Some not so much, right? So we had some experience with that down there. And Children's Hospital is just fantastic. I mean, they're just the greatest people in the world. Interesting comment that you made about people who are so much worse off. You know, um, we used to remind ourselves, Sam had, had over 30 surgeries there. Um, yeah multiple hospitalizations the first is we spent eight weeks there um initially but we always reminded ourselves that on any given day no matter how hard we had it or he had it there was a family there that had it worse oh yeah and you know i always try to carry that with me i don't um i know there are days when i don't i'm not so good at it when sure. i might be short-tempered with someone or you know the clerk can't give me the right change <laughs> can't change back that kind of a thing but I try to always remember that we all have a story and I don't know what's going on that day in their life. So, sure. you know, patience and kindness and yeah, you know, it's, I just, I have to remind myself of that every day. And that's another piece of this podcast is about, you know, so many of us go out there, especially in the sales world. And we don't, we don't think we have an important story, but you know, everybody I meet, I love something about them. I don't like everybody, but everybody I meet, there's yeah. something they can do better. Yeah than me or something that's interesting and I'm, I hired a life coach and one of the one of these um, exercises is to tell a story about your life right well I can tell two stories I can tell you one that'll make you cry or two that you wouldn't make you happy right same people same everything just mm -hmm. it's kind of what you pull out of that story right and I try to teach people listen if you're out in, you need to resonate with that person get to build that relationship and if you're not yeah. telling your story you're never going to have that opportunity to yeah. build it so tell me if so, um, I don't know if you should tell it or I should tell my experience. With it. So this rodeo thing with the intellectually disabled kids and I, you asked me to go do it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't even know what I'm getting into. And I go out my first, my first one was with Jonathan in the wheelchair, right? Trying to push him to that dirt. And, uh, <laughs> and we picked you to do that because of your stature. So. <laughs> I, was, I was picking him up and putting him on these things. And uh, what a great day that was. And um, I wish more people would have showed up. Whose brainchild was that to get to start that rodeo thing? Well, um, the exceptional rodeo is not, I can't take credit for that. Um, it's, it started years and years ago um, with the professional rodeo circuit. Okay. Um, there was a woman who recognized that, um, that there was a need for this, um, that it was important that kids with intellectual and physical disabilities have the same opportunities to do fun stuff sure. that healthy kids do or typically developing kids do. And we recognized that with Sam too. There were, you know, there weren't a lot of activities that he could do. Um, and there were a lot of times when, when we would go to a playground and because he looked or acted differently, people, kids didn't want to play with him and he yeah. was left on the sidelines. So, um, so inclusion is really important to us. Um, and so we, we looked for something that we could do. We have a life in rodeo. Um, we both grew up with horses. My husband grew up competing in rodeo events. He still is a team roper. Um, throughout Sam's life, the rodeo community really embraced us. The team roping community did. And, you know, it was a, it was a safe place for us because Sam to, to these children and their families, Sam wasn't different. 
Right. So we kind of gravitated to the rodeo community. Um, we wanted to do this and we reached out to the local rodeo committees and Poway was the first one. Well, the, actually the Lakeside, I shouldn't say Poway. Lakeside has an exceptional rodeo. They've had it for several years and, it, and they do a great job with it. Um, Poway immediately responded, um, Darcy Van Meter. And um, she said, yes, you know, just come, let's do yeah. it. We'll figure it out. Yes. So, um, so we threw it together and I really wasn't sure how to find kids. You know, I reached out to schools, school districts. I didn't get a lot of response back. I couldn't get to the right people. So I just kind of put it out there. And, you know, when you put things out into the universe, it happens. Sure. At, at least I think that that's the case. 100%. So, so we got um, 50 kids sign up. We had 30 show up. Um, we got volunteers to come. And what we do is we, we've created adaptive um, activities for kids so that they can still get that vibe of the rodeo. Like instead of, you know, real horses to ride, I don't want any part of that liability. Right. Um, but we, uh, we, so we made rocking horses out of barrels. And, you know, my, I called my brother, who's an amazing fabricator and welder and said, okay, this is in my head. So now you need to make it happen. And he right. did. Um, you know, we had the hearts and hooves therapy program, bring their miniature horses and the kids were able to interact with them. Um, we have um, some wonderful volunteers, um, Sue Munyan, who brought her carriage with her horses and we gave the kids carriage rides. Yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, so well, it, it- I, I was with Carson last time. Yeah, and Carson. And uh, Jan and I still communicate on Facebook, so- Yeah, um, Carson's family. Yeah. yeah, they're nice people. But Darcy, I told you, used to be my, used, used to live across the street from me. Yeah. We've both since moved out of that neighborhood, but- um, we built a relationship through that too. And I can tell you that I probably missed that more than I missed the rodeo period, you know, just the thing. And we had big plans for that rodeo mixer again, um, last, you know, before COVID, but obviously yeah. that shot things in the foot. So I'm not, I'm affiliated as a member now with the Poway chamber, but once we get over this COVID thing, please reach out to me. We're going to get that thing going again. Dodge kicked in was great. And, you know, Cox and Ed Cohen, right. all those people kicked in for that. Well, and it's just a matter of awareness, you know, it's just yeah. letting people know who we are and what we do and, and that we're out here. And then it, it just, it attracts the right people. Our organization attracts the right people for all the right reasons. And, you know, the Poway Rodeo Committee has not just given us the space to hold our event, but they um, put tip jars out at all their bars to benefit, yeah. you know, and they've raised thousands of dollars for us. And, and that allows us to always keep our events free um, they also introduced us to several other rodeo committees. And, you know, 2020 was the year that we were going to expand. We were talking to Yuma. We were going to go to Yuma. Oh, we were wow. talking to Raleigh. Um, I've got parents from the Santa Barbara area and LA areas who have said, hey, we've heard about you. Can you do something up here? So um, we're looking at different rodeos up that direction and or maybe just going and doing a standalone event. You know, I don't need to piggyback on anything. If I sure. see that there's, if I can get the kids and I can get the volunteers, we'll do it. Um, we've, we've done it, events at schools or activities at schools. Um, we did a couple of resource fairs for the Special Needs Foundation um, here in San Diego. And, you know, it's just, it's word of mouth and, and it's just letting kids be kids. And 
and adapting it to their needs. So it's pretty simple, really. Kids just want to be kids, want to play and they want to be included and they don't want to be made fun of. So. Yeah. And, but, and you know, it's funny. So I guess uh, you used a term for, because my kids don't really have any, what do you say? Typical. Typically developed. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still that issue when you have young kids about not being included in things. Right. And by the way, anytime you want help as a volunteer or anything, you just reach out to me. I will. And then I'm also, um, we have a very good Knights of Columbus um, organization right down the street from the rodeo grounds in Poway. Uh And we're always doing something. So if you ever need something, reach out to me and we'll see if they can help too. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to help with a standalone event. I think that'd be a blast. The schools are so paranoid about everything. I mean, they, even this hand sanitizer I'm selling, they don't even want to, you know, they're just all hands off. They don't want to get involved uh-huh. in anything. They're just, it's, such yeah. a, it's become such a political organization. Schools are hard to deal with. We've tried to do some improvements on playgrounds at schools to make them inclusive. Yeah. Um, the American Disabilities Act requires that they be accessible, but accessible doesn't mean inclusive. Accessible means the kid in the wheelchair can roll up to the sandbox. Right, and look at it, yeah. (laughs) He can get into the sandbox. So we're working right now with a school in Escondido, a charter school, and we're installing a music garden. Um, They have a a large um, population of kids with special needs, and they have a really incredible special needs program. Um, This teacher, young woman that we're working with is so passionate about the kids and, and helping them. And so we're installing a music garden and there are these oversized um, chimes and drums and flowers and 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 we're really excited about that. And hopefully that that can be the pilot program so that other schools can see other districts can see the difference it makes and then eventually get into cities, you know, and say, Hey, we've got some money and resources and we want to, you know, help make your communities more inclusive. So it's, you know, every project is another pebble in the pond. And um, so I just changing the world, you know, one event at a time is my goal. It's I can't rock the world overnight. So, yeah, but you're doing a lot. So and we appreciate it. So thank you. What did um, what did you do for a living? You were in the floral business. Well, you yeah, you know, I, I, wa- I, I wanted to be college material. Um, I wasn't. I hated school. Um, and, you know, I, I kept my grades up so I could play sports in high school, um, tennis and field hockey. And um, but it just wasn't my thing. And so I got out of school and I, I went to junior college and, and, you know, it was OK, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was always artsy, always creative. And I fell into this job as a display um um, person, visual merchandiser at Broadway, which used to be at the old Carlsbad Mall, which led to a promotion, which led to becoming a manager, then a director. Then I went on to go, you know, as a uh, 10 years at um, Robinson's as a display director. And I loved it. Um, when they sold out to May Company, my job was going to be, you know, be eliminated. And I'd done a lot of floral work um, through my job. And so I walked into a flower shop one day and said, Hey, you know, how do I start? What do I do? And she goes, well, you'll have to start at the bottom scrubbing buckets. I said, okay, where are the buckets? 
So I went from a pretty decent, you know, job as a pseudo executive to being um, a bucket scrubber. And I was okay with that. And I just watched and paid attention and listened and, you know, took ROP classes. And um, fast forward, I um, started my own, owned my own brick and mortar shop in Encinitas in the 80s um, for a time. And um, I really enjoyed it. So, you know, working with people doing, doing their weddings and then eventually doing their baby showers and then doing, you know, doing the kids' weddings. I mean, yeah. it's like- Did you grow up uh, here in town? I was uh, born in Michigan, but my family moved out to Fallbrook when I was four. So in 63, so I'm pretty much a California kid. Yeah. Um, left San Diego County for a time, lived in Orange County, worked, lived and worked up there, Orange and LA County, but, um, you know, came back here um, and met my husband and um, he's a Texan, came out here. He's in the golf industry. Um, he came out here and um, we've been here ever since. So. Um, you know, we moved. I, I actually went to Poway High, so I moved here when I was three months old. Uh, my um, dad was in the Navy. My mom was in Seattle. <clears throat> Didn't see the sun for three months, so she said, "That's it, we're leaving." So we ended up in San Diego, and we lived in East San Diego for a long time, and then spent most of my life in Poway. But we just actually moved. We're over in Penasquitos now. Yeah, I so saw. We made a saw big change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, well, cool. I always thought it was funny when I see your husband because he looks like he's from Texas, right? This. <laughs> He's, he's he could be like a Wrangler's cowboy, right? And then, he he, but he's a right. golf pro, right? Well, he's well, in the golf world. He, yeah, um, he had never played golf, and he, you know, he all he wanted to do was rodeo. He took his horse to college, and you know, did college rodeo. And when it came time to graduate, it was like, well, now what are you going to do? And um, a family friend said, "Hey, Buck, this was uh, in the eighties, you know, said golf is exploding." Sure. And so he came out here and got into the, um, there was a golf academy, PGA golf academy located in Rancho Santa Fe. And he got into that, hardly had ever swung a club. Um, he had the natural ability and coordination. He um, took his PAT, player's ability test, passed it, became a card carrying PGA member, um, worked at Fairbanks Ranch as a teaching pro golf shop pro you know he'll tell you um you know 10 percent of golfers are on the tour and the other 90 are you know struggling right. and he was one of he was part of the other 90 but um but he you know he, he it was a good gig and um and he loved it and he played golf all the time and um and then when we met when we had sam um the benefit was really good health insurance yeah. So you know, he stuck it out and he's been there over 30 years and um, he, he's the kind of employee you want. He, you know, he's loyal. He's dedicated. He, he does his job. He puts his head down. He gets it done. And, you know, leave, just leave him alone. Let him do his thing. He's, well, he's not a cowboy. You know, I was explaining my grandson and I were picked up my granddaughter yesterday and we were coming back and we were talking about tough people. Right. And I grew up with cowboys in Poway when it was just, you know, because yeah. when I moved to Poway, there was nothing there. It was just cowboys. I and I said, I'm telling you, there's a couple of people you never mess with in life. One of them's a cowboy or a hockey player, you know, because they're tough because of how they grew up. And the second piece of it is they don't stop, right? They don't quit. They're committed. If they're going to beat you up, they're committed to beating you up. <laughs> I can remember the first guy I met was a was Rick Huber. He was used to ride bowls in Poway. The whole Huber family was rodeo people. 
And uh, he took his boots off, beat me up a little bit, and then we became really good friends. So I yeah. learned a lesson when I moved to Poway about cowboys. They're not well, don't let Buck fool you because he's a big mush ball. Oh, well, yeah. But if it came down to it and he had to protect his family, he'd be. Listen, they just get strong from working with those horses. I said, I told Carson, I said, look, anybody that can get on a 2,000 pound bull or a horse, yeah. it's too tough for me to mess with. I mean, I have a problem yeah. on a bicycle. So, you know, if I got to get <laughs> on a bull, <laughs> that's, that's tough people. But listen, I love you guys. I love the stories. Um, I want to help you as much as I can. I really want to get you hooked up with my daughter, if only if it's just a conversation, because she yeah. has a story and they, they actually had another baby, little uh, Adeline. I know. She's about four months old. Yeah. She's just a doll, but, but um, Gideon, the, the baby they lost, um, it was just, uh, it was just really heart wrenching. Like it wasn't that I would have rather have it, had it happen to another daughter, but Paige is just such the, you know, just such a sweet soul, but, um, but she's doing something with it, right? She's doing something with that story and I appreciate what she's doing. So. Well, and if, even as a, as a mother who's been through that, um, if I can offer her any love or support, you know, and, and even it's sometimes it's just to have another, um, ear who is lifted, who's walking the shoes, you know, because really people can try and be supportive and they can try to help, but unless you've walked in those shoes, it's really hard. Um, and and so I've done that, you know, since, well, when, after Sam was diagnosed, I had been asked on more than one occasion to talk to a new mother. Um, and then since he's passed, um, I reach out um, to people if I know that they have had a loss or they know someone who has. And, you know, so I'm available. Um, I, I don't have all the answers, but um, I, I get it. And that makes a difference. Um, well, that was part of this. The, the genesis of this podcast was for me to put my arms around people, right? Say, hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, uh, whether it's in business. I mean, people struggle, especially through COVID, people are struggling. You know, I used to say, I used to kid with people and say, you know, I don't like anybody, you know, but when COVID started, my whole life was predicated on getting a lot of people in a room. And I miss that human touch. I miss that face-to-face. I miss shaking men's and women's hands. <laughs> Um, we've taken that personal touch away, you know, on accident in the last year and it's hard on some people and people are struggling in business and in life. Suicide right. rates are way, you know, out of the sight right now. Um, I'm trying to work more with younger adults that teach them how to communicate with older adults and vice versa, because, you know, us older guys, we always think we know everything, but I have mentors under 30 that help me with technology right. and some other things. And, and I have something to offer them. You have something to offer people out there, like you just said. And we need to be doing that as, as humans, right? Just helping each other out. There's enough fighting. I mean, this last year or two years of this political ridiculousness. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's ruining the country at some level. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. We need, to, we need to start hugging each other again. And soon, hopefully, we will be able to. Yeah, we're looking forward to... Um... Poway Rodeo is on the bubble right now for September um, 24th and 25th. They're still not committed, but if they're going to go forward with it, um, we are feeling confident that come September, we can get our kids together. Um, the, their safety and health and well-being is first and foremost. Of course. Um, 
so, and because they're such a vulnerable population, but we feel that we could do it. And, and, you know, we miss that. We miss seeing the, seeing them. And, and over the course of the year, I've made some new um, activities and I can't wait for the kids to, you know, get hands on them. Like, Oh God, you know, come on. So, uh, but again, like I said, their safety is first and foremost, and I would never put anyone's health in jeopardy. Um, Our kid died from a virus. So, um, you know, he caught a cold and it lingered. And a lot of these COVID long haulers are dealing with this now, this link effects, you know, it settled in his heart and unrelated to his genetic condition, a virus killed him. So um, I take this really seriously. Um, You know, I I, quarantine is, is a safe place for me and it's a safe place for other people. And I take it really seriously. So um, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting our kids back together, but we're going to do it right. And if parents feel safe about doing it, then we're going to be there for them. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. It seems to me by, from what I've read and things that this, this virus does, is that tipping point sometimes, right? It's just the last straw for that person that might have, you know, compromised health or something like that. And I know Poway High was, they were still bringing kids on campus in their, you know, programs and mm-hmm. I don't know what you call them, unless you're disabled programs or whatever. So, and they've had to shut down a few times, I know, because teachers yeah. or what have you might get sick. Yeah. So something else you mentioned that I, that I'm a big advocate of is music, right? So I'm not a musician. I didn't really do that in school, but I love music. And I know how statistically, how much music means to somebody intellectually too. It's not just a, a hobby, right? Uh, people that are around music, music, people that listen to music tend to be a better learners, things like that. They know they've just taken it out of the schools almost 100 percent. Yeah, I know. It's sad. It is sad. And physical education was the other thing. Now, uh, my granddaughter goes to a private school, so they still have all that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the the public school district could take a lesson from this school that we're taking our um, granddaughter to because they're very good at what they're, I mean, it's like a it's like a very well-run business, but it's mm-hmm. education, right? They're doing all the right things. Now, they've been in school full-time this whole year. Yeah, that's and, great. And they let us know when there's an issue, and, they, and they've had to shut down for two weeks, a couple, like junior high or high school and things like that. But they have a music program, and it's big, and it's a Christian. It's Maranatha Christian School is mm-hmm. where she goes. So it's really good. We're really a good. We're real happy. I and mean, Carson's here at home, though. He was in public school, and we just opted to keep him here for the remainder of the year because they're only going back part-time so yeah now was sam your only child he was um you know we were late bloomers i was 34 when i had him and because we learned that buck carries the the genetic condition right uh it would be one in four chance that it would happen again oh wow Um, two things that's those are not great odds right and um and he was a full-time job you know his needs um his hospitalization, they were first and foremost. And so I didn't have a lot left to give. Um, So we just chose to. Yeah, no, I get it. But you you, you definitely, you're on a mission, right? You've done a fantastic job. I know it's not over. You're still working on things. So um, we need more people like you in the world. Uh, Thank you. Well, you know, I mean, it goes without saying that I feel the same about you um, because you step up you know, and when I asked, you showed up and, and I'm going to ask again. And so, um, you know, I, I can say no and I can accept no. And, 
and you know, I might ask for help one day and somebody can't do it, but the next time they might be able to, um, you know, everybody's in different places in their lives. And, um, but I, I always say, you know, if you just put one foot in that arena and you just see, um, how it makes you feel, it'll make a big difference. Um, you know, it's like, I, I think, were you there the year that the film crew, the middle school from Vista yep. Rancho Minerva, middle school filmed yeah that was when well, i had jonathan i think that was the day i had Jonathan. well the the documentary they made called through their eyes was just about that it was about a young teenager whose grandma volunteered her for community service and she came to this rodeo thing and didn't know what it was and didn't know how to help and and wound up realizing that these kids are just like her. They just want to have fun. Yeah. Well, that film went on to win um, a national award sponsored by Panasonic and that the children went to Japan and presented oh, wow. it at the international um, film festival sponsored by Panasonic. So, you know, to, to your point, it's, we're all more alike than different. And, um, you know, you just need the opportunity to see that. So you know, my parents were super, when I was a kid, they would, you know, for the Halloween carnivals and things that they'd always do stuff. And then I've tried to encourage my kids now, they have young kids right now. So, and, and I've been part of the nights. I, I used to have a brownie troop for <laughs> my daughter. We had the six daughter when Kit and I met, we had seven daughters, you know, we weren't married yet, but we had seven daughters together, um, blended family. And they all wanted to be in brownies. And I'm like, shit, I can't take you to nine other, you know, all these different. They are groups. a troop. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. We started our own troop and I told all the moms, look, you got to come with your kids. I don't want to be in a room with your kids alone. And, and they did. They'd always show up. And we ended up selling 1,200 boxes of cookies two years in a row. We kicked ass in the sales side of things. Yeah. And when I went to get my license, I have to get a license. They said, I don't think you can be a troop leader because you're a guy. And I'm like, I don't, you better read the rules because I'm, this is the 90s. You know, I don't think people can do so I got my brownie license and uh, yeah, people would always say, I never saw you in that skirt, Ed. I said, well, you're not going to. But <laughs> then we were, I was always involved with the school and stuff. And I used to tell people with, especially with the chamber, these guys wouldn't show up for stuff. I was in a night's meeting two weeks ago and they said, you know, Ed, you haven't missed a meeting in four years. I said, well, I told you I was volunteering, right? Yeah. And it was actually seven years because I didn't miss three years before that. I just remember, but you know, you have to, you have to make these things the other thing to do right so you'll say hey can you come help at the rodeo and someone says i got something else to do that needs to be your something else to do right yeah. cut off the unimportant stuff that'll that'll mm -hmm. never go away you're only going to have opportunities like this a couple times in your life and um people don't volunteer to do nothing so as long as you have something for them to do they'll show up right right you need more people to be showing up and and um just in so many ways you know, you yeah. know just just show up just yep. whether it's whether it's to volunteer or whether it's to help a friend that's in a bad place or, you know, volunteer at your food bank. I'm trying to navigate, trying to figure out how to help people get vaccine appointments. Um, you know, I've heard on the news that that's such a big deal where a lot of older people can't get vaccine appointments. Number one, they don't have the technology. They don't know how. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking I can do that. I can, I can sit at my desk and do that. So that's a good idea. It's making time. It's just, it's making time. And it, you know, giving comfort gets you comfort. That's just the way it is. So, you know, we all have these skills that we're not using all the time. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, I wish that more, I hope that my kids get involved. I think they will with the school because I was so involved in um, school, church, whatever it is, just because, mm -hmm. 
you got to have volunteers for a lot of this stuff. You can't pay people for everything. And, you know, everyone- there was a there was an article I read about the Knights about how important it is to help in your community and what it does for you. Forget forget for a second what you're helping people with. It's what it, the value you get out of that yeah. volunteering. Um, and I'm, I, I, I've always uh, kidded around. I said, you know, someone would ask me to do something. And I'm thinking, what's God going to say if I go see him, right? <laughs> And he goes, hey, remember that opportunity I sent your way and you turned it down? You know, I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we're wrap, going to wrap this up. Um, stay right. on the line for a second and I'll talk to you once we stop the recording. So remember, everybody, I knew this was going to be one of my best podcasts oh, because I got you. the best guest. But uh, Ed Franklin, no limits.com, dot no limits.com. Or excuse me, that's completely wrong. So you got me all wound up. Ed Franklin.no limits is the podcast and it's on Apple, Spotify. I'll put it on Facebook. If you want to email me, it's edfranklin.no limits at Gmail if you have, want to be a guest or if you have a recommendation for a guest. But Deborah, thank you very much. I know this can't be an easy conversation mm-hmm. that you that you had, and you probably told it, you know, eight million times. And I know you won't get sick of it because it's it helps further other people, you know. So but I know yeah, it's gotta you- be tough. Uh, it, it always is, but, um, you know, if we can reach another family or help another mm-hmm. family, then that's the goal. Um, you know, people can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Sam's Posse and samsposse.org. And um, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you may not be able to help now because we don't have something going, but I've got an ongoing list of volunteers and I will call you. So um, thank you for this opportunity. You know that we love you and you mean a lot to us and to our organization. So love to your family. And I hope to meet Paige. Yeah, I'm going to get you hooked up with her. So I'm going to yeah. stop the recording and we'll, and we'll talk for a few minutes. Okay.